0: This is Daniel. This is Krebs. This is Alton.
1: This is Matai, the other Krebs. And you're listening to the greatest geek podcast out there. Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Alright everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where we, we're delivering. It's, It's gonna happen, because it's been asked, it's been pushed, and it's true. We are going to be talking about Something that I have never talked about on this show before. And we will enjoy it for all of its glory. We said last week that we'd be talking about Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Which is a Star Trek series that I actually thoroughly enjoyed. And we are talking about it this evening. Now, I will preface this. Despite how much I have said I've not enjoyed Star Trek and I'm not a fan of it. I have watched all of Star Trek. I will admit that. I have seen the original series, Next Generation. I have seen Deep Space Nine. I have seen Voyager. I have seen Enterprise. The, I have not seen Discovery or Lower Decks. And I've seen all the movies. I pretty much have seen all of Star Trek. That, that speaks highly to your credentials
2: on this subject. I mean, the fact that you have seen all of it and you don't enjoy it, but you've seen
1: it. Yeah. Like, well, that's,
2: that's my, kind of my, my a big parents, deal.
1: My parents are Trekkies, so yes, they uh, are.
0: So you, you've got a valid opinion there. You you've seen enough, to, more than enough, to establish the opinion. But it's also one could also say you've seen enough to c- call into question some some doubt about your opinion of Star Trek overall.
1: Because <laughs> if you didn't like it, why'd you watch so much? Um. Well, <laughs> growing up, it was required. It was a required watch. It oh, was yes. something that we had to watch um do you think that
0: may have contributed to your to your uh, negative impression
1: um probably (laughs) i'm
2: not gonna lie i had a very similar thought but 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 you're a grown man with your own mind and to this day you don't
1: enjoy it and that's and that's fine except that you watched strange new worlds yes and i thoroughly enjoyed it i watched the first episode because you know uh an old co coworker at my previous job mentioned it and said hey you should probably check this out and I'm like all right I'll do so I saw that it was on you know my streaming service and like yeah not really Um uh, waited several <laughs> months later and decided since I had a lot of free time I'd just watch it uh and then I binge watched the entire series yeah <laughs>
2: Awesome. Now, now for context, folks, Daniel and I both have seen the entirety of Strange New World Season 1. Yes. Season 2 is about to drop. Yes. And actually, I think the first uh, episode already hit.
1: June. Or is it already hit now? Is it
2: June or is it just... A, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll double check the release date. But okay. the point is, second season is coming. By the time you yes. hear this, second season is coming. And uh, what's interesting is that Matai-san has not watched any of it. Which means nope. that he's completely in the dark and we get to do spoilers because we <laughs> warned him that we would be talking about this and he did zero homework. But what yeah. that also means is that he gets to run this episode. He is going to ask us questions about our experience and our thoughts based on the fact that he himself has quite a steeped background in Star Trek as well. In fact, just for your credentials really quick, Matthew, can you enumerate the Star Trek that you have watched, enjoyed, all that stuff?
0: Oh, uh, Krebs and I did, but also both grew up in a Star Trek fan household.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, many
0: family members were, were really into it. Uh, I was there in line with my mother and aunt to see Star Trek, the motion picture. Uh, I'm so sorry. What, what was that? 1980 or was that 79? 79.
2: I think it was 79. 79. Yeah.
0: And got to see it in the theaters and actually I really enjoyed it. But anyway, so yeah, the original series seen it several times um and uh, next generation so excited was there when it premiered on tv uh watched all those episodes deep space nine i was so excited about uh and then was disappointed uh voyager (laughs) yes saw voyager and uh, i loved enterprise because it had scott bacula but even i just loved that guy But even he couldn't save that, and eventually I kind of lost interest in in that as well. And my reason for not seeing Strange New World, Lower Decks, Discovery, or any of this other stuff is that I refuse to get Paramount+. Plus. Everyone's coming out with their own streaming service, and this is kind of the reason I cut the cord and got rid of cable and satellite TV was just that... I didn't want all the things I didn't want. And it, and, yeah. and it's just not worth it for me to to see one show. You, you're on describing a, a the brutal service.
2: cycle of, of home television. Like, yeah. Yeah. this is the third time that this pattern has played out. Yep. But yes, you're absolutely right. I'm also disappointed. But what this also means, folks, I don't know if you caught it, but what this also means is, my own brother has not come over to my house to watch a show with me. <laughs> so that's something to put on the radar. But Matthew, for whatever it's worth, I would love to inundate you with strange new worlds in my house. Yes, that would be that would be wonderful to, uh,
0: to see that. Because uh, you guys have been saying nothing but glowing things about it. And we'll get into that here in the episode. But here's something that you can tell uh, me right off the bat. So I know the title. Uh, I, I've seen a couple of enough commercials to know that Anson Mount is the captain and I mm-hmm. believe he's captaining the enterprise. Yes, yes, he is. Um, so tell me where does this fit in the timeline of Trek? Um, and, um, what I, 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 I don't want to get into characters just yet. Cause that's my next question. Mm-hmm. Where does this fit into the, the timeline of things and how did, uh, what's Anson Mount's character's name and how did he get to be captain of the enterprise?
1: Yeah. He's and, captain Pike. I'm jump oh, in. this is Christopher Captain Pike. Pike. Yeah, he's this Christopher is Christopher Pike. Pike. So This is prior to, you know, uh, the beginning of the original series. Um, we do see Kirk, but he's still on the Farragut. Um, there's a couple of really interesting things that really caught my attention that hooked me. First being, you know, it opens up with Anson Mount having a beard. He mm-hmm. looks very much like his character, Colin from Hell on Wheels. Now that sitting next to him uh, is the actress that played uh, Winona Earp uh, from the series Wynona Earp, which again another great kind of westerny feel. That's type. where I knew her from. I knew yeah. I, I knew she was familiar. Yeah, and so I'm like, all right, great start here. And she's kind of <laughs> like his girlfriend, officially unofficially. I'm not really sure. Um. You know, uh, so that hooked me. Not only that, you see him on a horse before, you know, he, he jumps on a ship. So it was like it was a real good callback to his character. He, he's out Kirking Kirk? Y- yeah. He's yeah. yeah,
2: he's kinda like he he's absolutely like shatnereen but well. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I agree with you, Daniel, like if anything, for those of us who watched hell on wheels and that's where we fell in love with Anson, um, it, it was almost like uh, kind of like a passing of, it was almost like a, a chain of custody, right. Coming out of a Western setting into a sci-fi setting. Um, and, yeah. and those of us who watched discovery, we do get introduced to Christopher Pike in discovery and that's where the hand, that's where the off kind of kicks off of, um, but that said, if you didn't watch Discovery, then this is very much like transitioning from Hell on Wheels to Star Trek. I thought that was kind of cool.
0: Well, this is really interesting to me because if you go back to the original episode, I believe it was called The Cage, um, that where Christopher Pike shows up. And it was actually, a lot of it was re-spliced scenes from the Are you pilot. talking about the original series pilot? The original or... series. Uh-huh. The original series. The actor they had that played Christopher Pike, who at that point was most of his time in a wheelchair um, and unable to speak. Mm. Um, The actor back then bears a very strong resemblance to Anson Mount. He does. So this is some fantastic casting that actually makes me a bit excited about that. So Daniel started talking about characters, every Star Trek episode, every Star Trek series, they get their cast of characters that are quite diverse each of them has something special they bring to the table and i remember having these discussions for you know the weeks leading up to the next generation because you had jordy with his visor that gave him extrasensory vision yeah. you had a klingon for the first time on the enterprise um and you had a a female security officer that looked pretty bad a eh? you had an <laughs> an empath for your counselor uh you had an android uh there with the crew and so you you had this fantastic cast and they did something similar with um deep space 9 you know you had a changeling uh, and you had a few other new alien races they introduced to us. So mm-hmm. tell me about uh, Strange New Worlds. What makes this cast interesting?
1: Well, I mean, the, the, one of the really interesting things, at least for me, is you see an Andorian. We kind of see them in the original series, but there's one on the or on the ship. In engineering, in yeah. In engineering, and he's blind.
0: Describe uh, what the Andorians look like. Are they the, these uh, are the,
1: ones? the blue skinned ones. The blue skin with the antennas.
2: Yeah, at Phoenix, we bumped into a cosplayer, and she had it on, like, the red uniform, but she was blue-skinned, almost platinum hair, and then the antennae. Yeah.
1: Yes. That's an yeah, Andorian. That,
2: that's an Andorian.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so we had one of those. Um, we, you know, we have a different doctor uh, on there. It's not Bones, um, but we do see Nurse Chapel early on. Um, we definitely see a lot more Vulcan culture in, in the series so far, which has been interesting. Um, but the real thing that stood out to me is the Gorn are <gasps> so done in a almost alien esque type way, where like HR Geiger alien, yeah, HR Geiger, where they are scary and they burst out of people's bodies and they like tear people apart.
0: Wait, that green lizard dude that Bert Shatner fight
1: double fist, yeah, yeah with yeah. his yeah, double hammer, punch? they're.
0: They are born by bursting out of people's bodies. So in this
2: series, the Gorn, uh, the Gorn is this series, the Borg, right? Like the original series, it was the Klingons Uh, in next generation. It was the Borg in, um, in DS nine. It was uh, initially the Cardassians and then it became the um, Dominion, the Dominion. Dominion. Yeah. Uh, The, the um, Jem'Hadar and stuff like that. Right. And and every every series kind of has its big bad and sometimes you know, they when, share big. I'm bads. sorry,
0: Krebs. Whenever when you say Jem Hadar, I'm not sure if you're talking about something from Dune or something that's
1: truly outrageous. <laughs> oh my gosh, Matthew, that was so good. Yes. So, um so but, yeah, the these lep- reptilian lizards are now kind of that focus. And it's amazing how they done it.
2: Yeah, the way that they refactored and restructured the Gorn makes them a real threat. There is an episode in the season that I jokingly refer to as Star Trek Das Boot um, (laughs) because, because it's very much, if you watch this... This particular episode is the first time that they introduce the Gorn as an adversary, and you don't get to see the Gorn, you see their ships. Yeah. Um, but it's all space naval combat type stuff. It it is abs this episode, this is this is sort of a, a criticism here, mind you. This episode is extremely formulaic when you look at submarine uh movies, shows. You'll always have uh you know, I, I think Das Boat made this kind of popular but the idea that you you're going to outmaneuver the enemy by pushing your ship to its limits when it comes to physics i'm trying not to give away too terribly much and they even have like the notion of like depth charges and things like that um if you watch this episode with that sort of submarine mentality you're like oh i see where this is going Mm -hmm. but i will say that the way that they build the gorn culture and the way that they en- enhance the Gorn threat makes it... They took an otherwise laughable alien race from the original yes. series. Laughable by today's standards, right? Mm-hmm. And they made it something truly terrifying. This oh, yeah. is mm-hmm. the most terrifying enemy since the Borg. And the Borg and the Gorn share some similarities in terms of threat. Wow.
1: And wow. not only that, the way they visually do it, uh, you know, uh, lots of dark you know, corridors where they, the lights are out and you see and hear things, you see things skittering around in the shadows in the background. Um, you know, a, a lot like in the Alien films where you, and you barely see things. It's just enough to give you, and of course the ambiance is set because of the lighting, the music that they're using. It's all bringing and dredging up that terror. So when these things are moving around, not only that, you have a officer that's on the ship that has is a survivor of one of their uh, feeding pits where they just ever they capture people and just throw them in these pits. And she's like a, a security officer, isn't she? If I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's head of security. So here's the head of security that is terrified of these creatures. And so that just builds more legitimacy into how dangerous they are. On an unrelated
0: well, little tangential question here do you guys uh, back to the next generation do you guys know what uh, dr crusher lieutenant wharf and counselor troy have
2: in common dr crusher lieutenant wharf counselor troy who are three people who have never been in my kitchen <laughs> that also is true but
0: one's house. a dock one's a wharf and one's a marina <laughs>
1: A bass, a wharf, and a marina. You get to think about that one for a bit. Wow! <laughs> wow! We,
2: Matt, Mattai, and I grew up as as young kids in uh, Monterey, California, and so I don't know why, but that just really, that just <laughs> really just like hit my nostalgia button at the same time. That was great. You know how the moon cuts his hair? No, <laughs> eclipse it.
0: <laughs> Daniel, you you mentioned Spock. Uh, yes. Earlier in this, um, who is who is playing Spock and what role does he have?
1: Oh my gosh, I can't. I'll, remember
2: I'll get the actor's
1: name, but okay. you go ahead and describe the character. Well, no, he he's it's Spock. I mean, it is exactly how we would expect Spock to be played. Only difference is, is you know, in the original series, we find out pretty late in the series that he, you know, he's betrothed to someone, you know, and he has this fiance on Vulcan. From episode one, you see this. And you see the, you know, the, the conflict in their relationship because he is very Starfleet, but at the same time he doesn't feel like he's Vulcan enough to be, yeah. you know, engaged with this woman. So he's kind of pulling back. But then this woman's also worried. But then they're trying to make it work, which I really enjoy this part of the storyline in seeing Spock develop, because they finally come to an agreement where she's like. I see why you're here, and I want to support you, and you know he's finding like I want to support you too and it, it's It's fascinating to see how that moves forward when they're a very emotionless race, you know, yeah, but you really find out they have a lot of emotion, but they have to tone that down um so it's very interesting to see how they play that out with the relationship and how Spock is coexisting in the Starfleet as well as as um, trying to be as vulcan as he can, even though he's half-human. Now, is
0: this the same actor who played Spock in Discovery? No.
2: Uh, so it's oh, Ethan yeah.
1: Peck. Yeah, it's uh, Ethan Peck that is playing Spock. Yeah, it's Ethan Peck that –
2: yeah, I think – did they have a different Spock for Discovery? I'm going to double-check that really quick. I don't know. I I Um, didn't watch it, I don't know. I I think it was actually a different actor for Spock, but I'm going to just verify really quick. Uh, No, I take it back. He does appear as Spock in Discovery for nine episodes. So so they did have some continuity there. They had Spock for nine episodes, and then they introduce uh, Captain Pike – in discovery also. And then those two uh, characters and actors
1: move over to strange new worlds. Yeah. And Um, that's the other thing I really like is the relationship building in, in Star Trek. It has always been there, you know, from the original series on, and they try to do a really good job. I will admit this. They try to do a really good job for you to get to know these individual characters. that's on this massive starship and to get you to know who they are and like them. You know, that's what any good storyteller does. And they're doing that really well um, with these little side stories that are in each particular episode. So that you get to know Nurse Chapel and Ohura and Spock. I forget the commander's name. Uh, it's Which... Re- Rebecca Romaine's character. Uh, oh, 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 oh. Uh, she plays uh Una. Una? Una, that's right. Yeah. So she's, you know, she's number one. Um, And I like how they have the very, you know, they have very similar original series outfits. So it's, it's, yeah, it's just great to see these characters pre, you know, Kirk. But even when Kirk shows up and it's a different person playing Kirk, I really enjoy it because he's still kind of the same Kirk, even though he's not William Shatner. And I will admit that is one of my biggest detractions. From the, I know people are going to hate me for it, but I just could not stand the way William Shatner as Kirk would talk. It drove mm-hmm. me. Nuts.
0: No, I, I, it's, it's a legitimate criticism, but a lot of the fans of the original series, it's like because he was so over the top. That's one of the, re, it's one of the things that made them love the the series. But let me yeah. ask you another thing though. The, the Enterprise.
1: Yes. yes.
0: The Enterprise is also. Let's admit it, a major character oh, yes, of, uh, of Star Trek, and so this if the timeline fits, this should be the same n c c seventeen o one that Kirk uh captained in the original series, yes, it is. so how do they how do they do that in this show? How close does the
2: enterprise resemble the original series? I imagine the miniatures are a lot better, but <laughs> wh- what do they do? Uh actually this is kind of an interesting point because they found a way to make the ship feel like modern Star Trek while still yeah. paying like the right level of homage to the original. In fact, yeah. in uh every station looks more believable than the original series. Um but if you go to Uhura station, they kind of highlight this a couple times, but if you go to Uhura station um there is the weird like counter spiral pattern that looks like mm-hmm. a Venn diagram of spirals spinning the that, pattern that's that yeah was. the more the moire pattern that is still there but done better um and when spock goes to use the science console that's over there he still has like the binocular style uh, the periscope style viewport that he yeah. looks into but they have like images and things that project out onto the skin so that there's there's some f- audience feedback for like how things are changing inside um the the helm is more believable the captain's chair is still physically the same design as the original series but with like sleeker lines and less cardboard and you know things less plywood um i actually as as part of my experience for strange new worlds as you go to episode 10 which is the last episode of season one uh, it behooves you, Wes, Wes our, our buddy who was on the show for the Doctor Who episode, mm-hmm. he pointed out to me that I should go watch the original series, season one, episode 15, Balance of Terror, because episode 10 in Strange New Worlds is an alternate timeline version of that episode. And the parallelisms in that episode are incredibly well done. I love
0: when they do stuff like I, that. I
2: yes, and and like I was so I watched the original series and then I totally I geeked out the whole time I was watching this episode. If I hadn't done that homework i wouldn't have enjoyed episode 10 as much as i did but the point is that like i was watching the original series and shatner walks around the bridge and you can hear the plywood creaking and the echo of <laughs> footsteps and and there's a scene where spock has to get under the console because he has to repair something on the fly and there it's just basically like an air intake vent that he removes and uh <laughs> and he gets in there and he's like you know it was it was kind of chintzy and cheesy but there was something kind of endearing about it like i get why people like the original series but you 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 if you if you took all of that design this show is excellent at being faithful to the way the ship works the limitations of material synthesizers versus replicators when they get into the lift they have to actually put their hand on a handle and they mm-hmm. have to say where just they like want the to go series. just like yeah. the original series as opposed to next generation where they just walk in and they just say where they want to go right um jeffrey's tubes in this episode or in this series look very much like the original series and so on the the faithfulness to the original while divesting of the camp of the original is present and it's kind of a it's 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 a wonderful homage to the original while improving upon the original
1: What I'd like to add, I mean, you're right. The one thing that I really liked and I think which really helped me enjoy the the series more with the Enterprise. So in the original series and most of the, you know, the series after it's probably up until like Enterprise and that, uh, you know, the ship was we always saw it from one angle. Mm, Sometimes you see it above, sometimes below. In this series, you are seeing the ship moving in a three-dimensional space. It's going around asteroids, moving through debris, and you are seeing thrusters firing off as they are piloting it around. And so it's not just a one-angle shot. You are seeing from multiple different angles, and which is w- really fascinating um, to see the Enterprise in this fashion. You're seeing the nacelles. You're seeing the deflector dish. You're seeing all different angles of the ship. The other thing that I really enjoyed is there is an episode where they reference the Scar. The and Scorch. The, scar, or the Scorch, excuse me, the, the scorch, scorch, which is the only original armor plating of the ship. Pretty much telling us that, you know, as it gets damaged, they are slowly replacing all of the armor plating of the ship over time. And as they're exploring, but this is the only original piece left. And it's a tradition for, you know, new people that join to go out and touch it or write their names on it, which is fascinating because wow. it shows that the ship is more than just metal. It's more than that. There is a history of this ship. There's a culture. E- Yeah, and there's a culture for each new person that comes on here. And and they have to put on their spacesuits and walk out onto the the dish, find the spot, and sign their name into it, which I found really interesting and fascinating. Because before, it's just a ship, and it's constantly getting damaged. But now they're showing, hey, it is getting damaged, but there's still one piece left.
0: You know, this is really cool, because I think it reflects where world building has come to since the 60s. Yeah. Yes. Because before, it doesn't matter what world you're in, we're just going to tell a story, right? Yeah. And now the lore, well, what they learned is that there was, people were craving so much Star Trek lore, they started making stuff up. Uh, <laughs> and they had to put out, you know, the Star Trek engineering guide, you know, mm-hmm. with all the blueprints and stuff. So people were were craving this kind of lore. And so now they're going back to a time kind of just before the original series, but the writing reflects today's standard of world building is what you're telling me. Yeah. Yes. And so that's great. Now, and the second thing this reminds me of is it's a little more true to life because if you look at, uh, mariners or naval personnel, they all have traditions that deal with their ship. Yes. And when your life depends on the integrity of the whole of the vehicle that you're in, the vessel that you're in, uh, yeah, this stuff there, it may be some superstition, but it it becomes a tradition and uh, a way to show respect uh, for your vessel.
1: Well, and and that's what I I think they really make uh, a point of. Even though they are an exploration ship, th- this re- Starfleet really is a navy, and that's something that you never really felt uh, from the other series. Uh, which I like that they are pushing that that even though we're exploring, this still is a navy. You know, it's just that the outer spaces are their, their ocean. And it really has that feel, especially, you know, when we have red alert. I, I never really understood that. But now that, you know, seeing it from a perspective of a Navy, that makes sense. When you're in a submarine, that's the only way you know what's going on. If you're going into battle with yellow or red alerts, you know, lights changing. So it makes a lot more sense in that. And not only that, it's just Anson Mount playing Christopher Pike and not only that, bringing his own twist and uniqueness to that character, you see Anson Mount just himself delivering it. Some of his quips, his quirks, um, man, when he's dealing with people on the, uh, you know, on the, the view screen, and he's talking to them, and then you know, when he mutes it and he says a snarky comment. It's just hilarious, you know, because in the past, you know, Kirk would do it and then he'd do something serious and have to do something, but I love the quips. I love those quips and then something serious happens. It just makes the show entertaining.
0: Wow. All right, so we've kind of talked about the the Enterprise a bit here. One of the things that was always good about each series was the technology that was involved. And um Star Trek Enterprise you had this, there was some technology that was missing and it was blatant that this was missing, but you saw the enterprise start gaining or finding this technology as they would go out there. Even, even the advent of red alert was a creation of the security officer and the Star Trek Enterprise series. They had a, a series of tiered alerts and that was a new thing that showed up in one of the first few episodes. Uh, but they had phase cannons, uh and they had they would polarize their hole plating uh before they actually had shields uh to bring up and things like that so tell me about some of the key Star Trek technologies that are showcased in this show and Do you see anything where they advance or they find new ways to apply existing technological principles?
2: So I mentioned earlier that in this version, as I understand it, they have material synthesizers where they can make like raw materials or they can can basically take certain inputs, certain minerals, and then make some composite after the fact. But they don't have replicators like what we see in Star Trek Next Generation, where you say... Earl Grey hot. And it's... It it doesn't
0: make the finished product. It gives you the pieces and you've got to assemble it yourself.
2: That's correct. Yeah. And um, they also... In in the medical technology side of things, um, there is a running story arc where the Enterprise does not have the medical technology necessary to save a particular character's life in the long term. Um, And they're they're trying to solve this problem over multiple episodes. And... uh, other alien races have some have the technology necessary. They have, you know, nanobot technology and and that sort of thing, or, or they have they've discovered certain. Uh, uh elemental com- compounds and and other things that medically make them more advanced that they could save this person's life and but the enterprise does not have that technology yeah. uh and so like in star trek the next generation you know beverly pulls out her tricorder and then they go to the replicator and they can synthesize this and that and they pull up the hypo spray and they dial in a few buttons and they spray someone um but you you don't see that in this series because they're at a disadvantage technologically compared to later seasons in other words there's still more discovery to occur and that's on purpose right um their their phaser technology in terms of like personal defense is very much like what you saw in the original series um i will say that their body armor technology is more advanced than the original series in that they have body armor
1: and it actually means something um (laughs) but that's legacy of
0: all those poor red shirts i know well,
1: right that's something i will say is you don't see a lot of red shirts die in this
2: series yeah because but but that makes it more believable when someone dies it's actually like
1: there's actually a cost there's yeah there and there's meaning behind it. yeah
2: there's uh, there there were there were a couple episodes there's one in particular where there were a couple of faces where i'm like i don't know who you are oh i get it (laughs) i know your name is guy isn't it yes yes you're you're the expendable guy now turn left and straight on through the mashers right (laughs) like it's it's one of those um but like the uh the ship technology you have uh we've seen phasers i have not seen uh proton torpedoes yet or photon torpedoes excuse me I get my Star Wars and my Star Trek swaps sometimes <laughs> but I ha- we, I haven't seen photon torpedoes yet. Um they they I think there is the notion of some kind of warhead but they don't they haven't done that weapon yet, which I find very interesting, but they have done phasers. And phasers instead of being like a long stream beam, instead it's more like like almost like a plasma ejection which
0: which if you remember the original series It was glowing balls of light they were shooting. yeah. And sometimes, and then later on, sometimes it was beams.
1: No, I mean, there is some interesting things that we do see in this series that we didn't see in the original series, like the fact that sickbay has its own transporter system. Um, So they can transport directly to sickbay, because that's something I've always wondered. They get them to the transporter room and then they got to cart them all the way to sickbay, but no, they can beam directly there. Um, So that was very interesting because they're exploring it is progression that they are slowly adding new technologies as they continue to explore you know space and go to you know strange new worlds i mean that's mm-hmm. the whole point yeah it they've done a great job at crafting a story that is entertaining and believable and can get someone that doesn't like star trek
2: to enjoy um fun fact the andorian on the ship his name is hemmer he is played by an actor who is 90 percent visually impaired and the character in the show is blind which i thought was actually very cool there's been a movement in hollywood that if you're going to have someone who's differently abled that you should have an actor who is that flavor of differently able to portray that character awesome um so one you
0: got what you guys are saying is that this series is showing respect to the source material and is not, and they're doing a reboot without erasing. And and I don't want to, you can do a reboot without erasing the original material paying homage Disney. And uh, that's one of the things we've talked about several times on this show is if you're going to go use a nostalgic IP, you need to show respect. You're relying on fans of this, existing property uh to come see your new movie don't insult them uh with your with your version of it so that's great and one of the things this is making me think of is there was this wonderful web series called star trek continues and Mm. it was uh led by vic mignona who's a famous voice actor and a pretty good actor himself um and they basically said we're going to pick up where the original series left off and was canceled. They had a five-year mission they were supposed to be on and they wanted to bridge the gap of where the original series ended and Star Trek, the motion picture began. This is kind of reminding me of the same vein of there's existing Canon here. Let's not run afoul of it and let's embrace it. Let's, cause a lot of things, a lot of series out there feel like we don't like the story that was told. So we're going to change and, and what's, um, not recant, uh, retcon uh, all this all the stories that were there before. It's like, no, 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 we're going to embrace this and we're going to write great stories in the middle of it. So that's what I'm hearing you guys say. This is making me excited. I want to go see it now. My last question to you guys, and we'll start with Krebs and then Daniel. Um, give us your review and your critique.
2: Uh, let's see, my letter overall. Grade. Overall, um, acknowledging that Star Trek The Next Generation is my Star Trek, the one that I grew up with. That's the one that sort of like sets the bar for me. Um, I think strange new worlds season one is at least an a minus um I give it an a minus because while they do pay excellent homage to the original, and I utterly love. Um, all the references they've done and and, and um, the way that they've enhanced and expanded the world. Uh, they also do fall into some tropes. Maybe they were trying for nostalgia, but there are some tropes that kind of diminish the story for me. There is a medieval episode in season one because you got to have your medieval episode, right? Um, and uh, that episode was possibly the cheesiest episode for me in the entire season. The submarine episode was was predictable because it followed a known formula that, that said, everything else they did in this, se- in this season, I thought was done with exceptional grace and excellent
1: talent. It was absolutely phenomenal. A minus. Okay. So again, I'm prefacing this, not a Star Trek fan. <laughs> so, um, one of my biggest complaints of this series, it's only 10 episodes. Very <laughs> short. The very short episode. And if you put into the account that two of those episodes aren't the greatest, just like Krebs says, they're 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 just they're like filler episodes that we saw in in the series. Um, but those series were what, 26, 28 episodes. So we had a lot more. So a filler episode here and there made sense. Ten episodes. It doesn't make sense to have that. Um, there definitely was some tropes that they threw in, which I don't felt like were needed, but we still got them um i do like the fact this series even though they're trying to reboot kind of in a way the, the star trek franchise in a good way it's still very much star trek it is very much like the original series which then progresses on to next generation and so forth it does not take away from those series but it still says hey this is its own series these are characters that we know you love, and we're not going to mess with them. But realize we're going to explore them a little bit more than you've seen. So because of that, you know, I'm going to have to agree. It's an A minus. It is not an A plus. It doesn't hit it out of the park. It definitely is not deserving of a B. They do a great job. I thoroughly enjoyed the series. I love the, the, the cast. They're doing a fantastic job bringing these characters to life. So I'm excited to see where we go. I'm excited to see what they do. And I'm excited to see them bringing in some of the other characters like Bones and Scotty that start, you know, and Chekhov and Sulu. When do they come in? Uh, I do like I do. You know, we didn't even mention uh, the pilot. I think she does a fantastic job. And it it, I, I, you know, they still say punch it. You know, like we saw in, in the Farragut ones. Uh, So I'm excited to see where they go in season two, which will be hitting soon, and I will probably be watching it just as much. So i blabbed. I've gone on. Yep, there it is. Mr. I don't like Star Trek giving it an A-minus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I got one more question for you guys. Yes. All right. How does a starship captain propose marriage?
2: Oh, um, <laughs> uh, Hang on, hang on, hang on. How does a starship captain propose marriage? He simply points and says, engage. <laughs> no, 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 no,
1: no.
0: You actually pretty much figured it out. That if it's a question let mark. Let
2: it be so. Let it be so. <laughs> Make it so. <laughs> it's engage. <laughs> oh, engage. So Matthew, you going to watch this series now that we've talked about it? Do I add an invitation over to your house? Uh, open invitation all the time forever. All right.
1: Yes, it it really is. It's worth your time. Yeah, I'm not sugarcoating it. This has a feel that it's a little Wild West enough, like Star Wars, to enjoy, but still enough core Star Trek to love. All right, folks. That said, you've heard it. It's it's now official. This is going to be on the airwaves forever. (laughs) There's a Star Trek series I enjoy. So uh, check out Strange New Worlds. Uh, if you haven't already, check out season one. If if you have, jump on. Enjoy season two. We'd love to hear your thoughts, your, your insight. And next week, we thought what we would do is continue this on. Yes, a second episode of Star Trek. What the heck? Pigs are flying. Uh, but not <laughs> only that you're it's just trying to get it out of the way <laughs> a little bit different but we're going to be talking about star trek as a whole this is, we're focused on this series but we're going to be talking about star trek as a whole how it affected us growing up you're going to probably hear some interesting things on my behalf uh you know <laughs> what it meant to us how it created who we are as individuals and more uh and hopefully next week alton will be back with us and not only that Uh, We'll probably have Kreb's great friend Wes, uh, which is a big Star Trek fan, joining us. With that said, we'll catch you next time. And my Trekkie nerdlings, always let your geek flag
0: fly right next to your United Federation of Planets flag. Make it so.
2: (laughs) And whether you like Kirk or you like Picard, always remember to be epic! And don't suck. Remember... The force will be
1: with you always. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like this episode, please give us a five star rating on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find us.